0: we open God's Word together this morning, Let us, let's go to Him in prayer. Lord, we are grateful for Your Word and how it speaks to us. It shows us clearly who You are, uh, who we are. It shows us our need for Christ. And it shows us what You want us to be about. And Lord, I pray now that You would open our eyes and ears to Your Word, that You would give us understanding. And Lord, help us to know how to move forward as a result of Your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to, I want to read to you a, uh, the first part of a challenging parable by a man named John Drescher. It's entitled, The Fishless Fisherman. Now, it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of a fisherman. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing or new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they said, the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. They loved slogans such as Fishing is the task of every fisherman. And every fisherman is a fisher. And a fisherman's outpost for every fisherman's club. They sponsored special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns and the Month for Fishermen to Fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing, to promote fishing, to hear about all the ways of fishing, such as the new fishing equipment, fish calls, and whether any new bait was discovered. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called Fishermen Headquarters. And the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and that every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, is they didn't fish. Now, I think this parable is telling because it's easy to get caught up in talking about, for example, fishing. We were in Bass Pro Shops yesterday on the way back from North Carolina. We stopped by Bass Pro Shops. Lots of fishing equipment in there. It's easy to get caught up in talking about all the different devices and methods, but actually never do any fishing. But Jesus told His followers that I will make you fishers of men. And so as the church, as followers of Jesus, we, we need to be involved with God's mission. And simply stated... God's mission is to fish for men and women, or to reach the unreached, you might say. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the church has been given a mission And that mission is to make disciples of all nations. And so as we consider the mission of the church this morning, I want to talk about uh, two ways that we can be effective in helping reach the unreached in our city. When you think about about reaching people for Christ, when you you think about reaching out, maybe an outreach or whatever it may be, you know, what comes to mind? Some of you may think of Uh, a Billy Graham crusade or some other large scale outreach event, which which is fine and I think they have a place. Uh, Certainly we think about sharing the gospel with someone. Verbally sharing the gospel with someone and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But there's actually one other way that makes us effective in sharing the gospel. So before we get to the verbally sharing the gospel, is there anything else that would help us be effective? And I think as, as we read Jesus' words, there is such a, such a way. And so if you turn with me to John 13, I want to show you what Jesus says as it relates to how we are to be effective in reaching the unreached, reaching out to the people around us that don't know Christ. In John chapter 13, is page 934 in the Pew Bible, if you don't have one with you. And it's interesting that what he's talking about here, it's not some large evangelistic event or outreach event, but rather what makes us effective in reaching our city, the people that don't know Christ, is our love for one another. And after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus shared the Passover meal with his followers, and then in verses 34 and 35 in John 13, he says this. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, how is the world to know that we follow Jesus? It's because of the love that we, we share with one another. And there's many ways that they see that we follow Jesus, but this is one of the ways that Jesus highlights here. Now, have you ever been to um, maybe someone's house? Maybe it was a friend when you were younger. Um, maybe you were invited over to their house to play. And you went to their house. And when you spent some time, as you spent time with them, you realized there was just not much love in that house. You know, they just were kind of snappy at each other, ugly towards one another. and it just You didn't sense much love at all. You know, you may remain friends with that person, but you're probably not thinking to yourself, you know, I really hope my family's like this one day. In other words, there's there's not an attractiveness about that. You know, you're not drawn to that. And so you may remain friends with the person who invited you over to their house, but you don't want to go to their house anymore. And on the flip side, if you've ever been to someone's home where love was present, it wasn't perfect, but it was present. They loved well you were drawn in by that. And what we see here in Jesus' words is that love is a powerful apologetic for the Christian faith. And one pastor even said it this way. He said, if you're not expressing proper Christian love to every member of your church, you are disobedient to God and you are hindering the evangelistic work of your church. Because Jesus says, By your love will they know that you follow Him. And what's interesting about this love is that it can only be given by God. Because in order for us to love as Jesus loved us, we have to know Him. So if you're going to love like Him, you have to know who He is. You have to know Him. You have to have faith in Him. You have to have a relationship with Him. And therefore, as we understand the gospel more, as it sinks more into our lives, the more we are able and the more we have the capacity then to show that love to one another. And so, without experiencing the love of God ourselves, it's going to be impossible to do what Jesus says here in John 13. We cannot love like He loves if we don't know Him. And so, the question is how do we love one another? Are we loving one another well? And does the watching world see the Hill Baptist Church, for example, and say, you know, those people follow Jesus. And I can tell because of the love that they have for one another. Now with that said, if you're like me, you don't always love well. (laughs) I'm guilty of this. I, I don't always love well. I don't always love like Jesus loves And maybe you're in that same boat. But one thing that marks us as believers in Christ, followers of Jesus, is that even when we become aware of our lack of love, that that we're willing to confess it. We're we're willing to admit our lack of love. And so one mark of genuine faith is both a, a willingness to love like Christ loves, as well as a willingness to confess when we don't love like Christ loves. And so in your, in your own heart, if you recognize that there is not a willingness to love like Christ loves, or there is not a willingness to confess when you lack love, then you need to evaluate your heart and you need to ask yourself, do I really know the one who is asking me to love like he loves? I mean, is the love of God present within me? Because how you love one another will tell the world something about the one you follow. And so one of the ways that we can be effective in reaching out, and reaching the unreached, telling people about Jesus, is by loving one another well. And that really sets us up for this second way that I want to talk about this morning. How we reach the unreached. If we're going to reach the unreached, if we're going to make disciples of all nations, you have to share the gospel with them. We're going to have to share the gospel message with people who don't know Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. It's found in, on page 974 in the Pew Bible. If you're using that one. You know, Paul is writing his introduction to this letter that he's sending off to Rome as he makes his way there on his missionary journey. And this is what he says to them. We'll pick it up in verse 14. Paul writes. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul's telling the Romans, he's saying, I am under obligation and I am eager to to preach the gospel to you. You know, in order to make disciples, if we're going to be about the mission of God, the church is to make disciples of all nations. And at some point, the nations must hear about who Jesus is and what He's done for them. And this requires sharing the gospel. Later in Paul's letter to the Romans, in chapter 10, Paul's explaining how this happens. In order for people to respond in faith they need to hear the gospel in order to hear the gospel someone has to share the gospel in order for someone to share the gospel you need to send people out ready and willing to do that so and then he sums it up in romans chapter 10 verse 17 and this is what he says he says so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. In other words, in order to become a follower of Jesus, you have to hear about the Gospel. You have to hear about what He's done for you and respond in faith. There has to be that exchange of the message and faith. Faith is birthed by the hearing of the Gospel. And so we have to share the Gospel. And Paul says that he is both, I don't know if you caught this, he said he is both obligated and eager to share the gospel. Your translation may say, I am a debtor. Paul says, I am a debtor. And I am ready or willing to share the gospel. So he says, I am obligated. Let's talk about that for a moment. As the church, there should be some sense of obligation that we, that we, that we bear that it is our job as the church to take the gospel to the city that we're located in. This is our job, our role. We are, we are a debtor. We are obligated to do that. And it's not like, you know, I'm obligated by some, you know, dictator that's harsh with me. And if I don't do it, I'm in big trouble. It's more of a, I have such great news about who Christ is. I just, I feel obligated. I'm in debt to those around me to share that good news. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, I am am a debtor. And so there's a sense in which if you know Christ, you are indebted to those around you, your neighbor, your family member, the people you come in contact with that don't know Christ. We are in debt to them. In other words, when you're in debt to someone, you owe them something. Because the gospel was never meant to be insulated into your own life. It's meant to make its way out. And you know, it's interesting. When I, I was taking physics at Clemson, and this always will stand out to me in this class. This is about the only thing. But this is one thing. He was talking about insulation, and he used a styrofoam cup, and he used like a paper cup. And he put water inside each, and then he struck a match. And he held it up to the paper cup. The paper cup's full of water. He's, he's lighting the match underneath it, and the paper cup did not burn Kids, don't try this at home. And then he had a styrofoam cup and he had water inside and he lit the match under the styrofoam cup and the styrofoam cup started melting and burning. And the reason is because the styrofoam cup is a great insulator. In other words, the water was not touched by the heat because the, <clears throat> because the styrofoam cup was absorbing it all. But the paper cup is a poor insulator and so it allows the flame and the heat to go straight through the paper into the water. And the question is, are you styrofoam or are you a paper cup? You know, are you, just, are you absorbing all the gospel and you're keeping it from going to the world? Or are you like this paper cup and you're allowing it to move through you? You're affected by it, but you're allowing it to go through you to the world. The water being the world. It's never meant to be insulated in you. It's meant to... Make its way out. You know, there's a there's a phrase in the medical community, and I won't pretend to know all the ins and outs of this, but it's called therapeutic privilege, and it's this idea that if you are a doctor and you know someone's, you know, you, their diagnosis, you know what's going on, you can make a decision to gradually share that information with them. In other words you may feel like it's not a good idea to deliver all of the diagnosis at one time. And I can see the wisdom in there. Therapeutic privilege. We can can delay sharing information for the good of the patient. But see, unlike the medical field, the church, we, we do not have that therapeutic privilege. It's not a privilege to withhold. We should never withhold the gospel as the church. It is not good for the community to withhold the gospel until we think it's ready. You know, we need to be a people that we are constantly talking about the gospel. Not only with ourselves and with each other in the church, but also with those outside the church. Because it's our responsibility to take it to the city. And so, do, do you sense... Do you sense the weight of that in a good way I mean do you do you sense the responsibility for that and I know some of us we'd like to avoid responsibility because that means more activity more busyness and that's not what I'm talking about but there's just this but there is a responsibility that we carry as believers to take the gospel to the city that's our responsibility as the church you know the uh second thing Paul says here is he says not only is he obligated, not only is he in debt to the people around him, that's why he has to get the gospel to them. But he also says, I am eager. I am eager to take the gospel to you. I'm eager to share the gospel to you. And that's why he's talking. he's talking to the Romans. I'm eager to take it to you. And this word eager just simply means I am ready and willing. And I am ready and willing to take the gospel to you all. And the word eager here just simply means I am able to, to do this task. I'm able to carry it out and I'm willing to do it. So here's the question. If you had the opportunity to share the Gospel with someone, could you do it? I mean, Could you verbalize what Christ has done in your life? You know, can, can you tell someone that God loves you and He created you to know Him personally. But people are sinful, and therefore we are separated from God. And that God's Son, Jesus Christ, is God's only provision for our sin. And that we must individually receive Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord, if we're going to experience forgiveness in that new relationship with God. Can you summarize the Gospel that way? You know... Um, the first century philosopher, Seneca, he said this, he said, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. You know, we say we're lucky when something good happens. You know, there's something works out as good, something good, a good result. And Seneca's simply saying, well, You know, when an opportunity presents itself, if you have been prepared for that opportunity, good things tend to happen. A good result usually happens. And so luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And here's the reality of the situation. As Christians, we will all have the opportunity to share the gospel. We'll all have the opportunity. And the question is, will we be prepared? Will we be able to, Will we be eager, ready and willing to share the gospel with those around us? You know, there's this little uh, booklet called Would You Like to Know God Personally? this is a great tool, you know, to help you just briefly summarize the gospel and help people understand what it is in a simple way. And I've, I've included several copies of these out in the vestibule so as you leave you can take one of these or several of these and this could help you both learn how to verbalize what the gospel message is, but it's also a great tool to, to give someone or to read with someone as you seek to share the gospel with them. But the bottom line is, you know, if we are if we're the church, then we must be about the mission of God. And the mission of God is to reach the unreached. It's to be fishers of men. And so we, hopefully, let us not be you know, fishless fishermen where all we do is talk about fishing. Talk about the new fishing poles and the new fishing methods. But, but let us be people who actually engage people with the good news of Jesus Christ and share the gospel with those around us. You know, Jesus said that He'll make His followers fishers of men. And if we're going to be on mission with God, then first of all, we must love one another well. We need to take responsibility that it is our role to take the gospel to our city. And then lastly, we need to be willing and able to share the gospel. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful that someone took this seriously uh, and shared the gospel with us. Someone was impacted by your love. Someone felt indebted to share the gospel with me, with those here. And someone took the time to articulate that gospel so that I could understand it, so that I could see more clearly what Jesus did for me, so that I could respond in faith. Lord, now help us take that baton from the one who shared it with us and let us be a church that is always ready and willing to share the gospel with those around us. Lord, let us be fishermen that fish.